in complete dependence upon the Lord for his much-needed help, I'd ask your prayerful attention this afternoon back to Hebrews chapter 13, and I'll read again verse 8. (coughs) Hebrews chapter 13, and reading again the 8th verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. As I was thinking about this anniversary service this afternoon uh, and really thinking what it represented, how we remember um, uh, the founding of this chapel building um, and perhaps the church here, I don't really know about the history so I can't really speak about that, but it is a time for looking back and a time for acknowledging really the Lord's goodness over these 210 years, but also I thought we cannot help but know that there has been changes, changes amongst ourselves as well. Indeed, as we, um, certainly it's some years since I've been here and I do notice some changes, some different faces that I I don't know, I'm sure that I have changed as well uh, for those that remember me coming, Uh, so there are changes as well, but Uh, my thoughts really went uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ because the uh, privilege, the the gift of the church that has been here and congregation of the gospel that has been preached here is down to or is owed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I I thought really of these, these words came into my mind that Jesus Christ does not change. We may think that 210 years seems to be a long time but it is as nothing, isn't it, compared to eternity? And so that was really my, why my thoughts came to uh, this verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. But I have to admit that this, I'm sure that these are well-known words to all of us, but I hadn't ever really considered them in their context before. And... Uh, as the Lord may help us this afternoon, I want to begin by looking at this context, because I believe that the the context of these words really adds so much more to the the meaning of them, uh, as we have heard them. As, uh, I expect what we all have really heard them quoted uh, out of context, and we acknowledge the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, that the Lord Jesus Christ changes not. But uh, perhaps we don't or haven't realised really the, the deep significance of that, even really going to uh, affecting the whole way that we read the Bible. So as the Lord may help me, I want to begin by looking at the context in two ways uh, to begin with. First of all, in the immediate context in this chapter, but then also just a little in the context of this book of the Hebrews. So, first of all then, we uh, uh, see, uh, to look at this verse, uh, in the immediate context. I don't know about you, but sometimes it may seem that at the end of the epistles, 
the uh, last chapter or so might seem just to be a series of uh, different exhortations, uh, perhaps sometimes almost unconnected. Um, uh, and uh, perhaps it may seem in some ways at first sight that this verse uh, and this chapter is the same, that the Apostle has finished perhaps the uh, main argument throughout this wonderful epistle and now he's just closing and there's perhaps a few things that he feels he ought to say. Well, I don't think it would be right really to, to uh, look at uh, the uh, Bible in, in that, uh, any part of the Bible really um, uh, from uh, in that sense, almost as if that it is, some of it is less um, significant or less inspired than other parts, but especially in this chapter. And uh, as we look at this verse, it isn't just a verse that is dropped in, almost as we might say, without any connection to the verses around it. It is indeed a very important verse, a very important verse not just to this chapter, but also to this book and to the whole of the Bible. So first of all, just to look and see uh, where it comes, and especially after this seventh verse. In this seventh verse, we have uh, an exhortation. There's been a number of exhortations before this in the um, chapter. Um, uh, perhaps it would be worth just glancing back at those. And uh, we see in verse 28 of the preceding chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, we see uh, um, perhaps... Uh, the way that the spirit is moving the mind of the writer wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved and really that is looking back to the the wonders of the kingdom that has been granted to the Lord's people through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ whereby wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And really, perhaps I should have started reading at those words, because those words underlie perhaps much of chapter 13. We have then these exhortations in chapter 13, which are part of serving God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I'll draw your attention very briefly uh, to the... Um, uh, uh, the, towards the last part of this chapter 13 verse 15 um, it says by him that is Lord Jesus Christ therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but you see it is through the Lord Jesus uh, Christ and then uh, again uh, in verses 20 and 21 that the God of peace and I'm just uh, 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 summarising, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. And as we just briefly glance at these exhortations, may the Lord help us to remember that these aren't, as it were, things for us to go away and do by ourselves. Uh, how wrong it would be to uh, give that sort of impression at all. These are exhortations which can only be done through the grace and the power uh, of the Lord Jesus, uh, of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as is made clear in those verses that I've just read. But just to look briefly then at the exhortations, first of all, we have in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. 
And again, that really, that theme runs all the way through uh, the chapter. Um, uh, uh, as you know, um, that Jesus uh, said, didn't he, uh, that, that those two commandments which really uh, summarise the law. Thou shalt love the Lord God uh, with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength and thy neighbour as thyself. Let brotherly love continue. And then there is an exhortation to uh, not just uh, love uh, those that uh, are our brethren or sisters in the faith, but uh, uh, those, um, uh, uh, the wider circle, if you like, uh, strangers. The Lord Jesus Christ said, love your enemies. There are no excuses, are there? And then uh, we have that exhortation to remember those that might be out of sight, those that are hidden in prison, those that may be um, uh, those that are suffering adversity and to do it not just uh, in a mechanical way but to remember them with empathy uh, um, and I couldn't help noticing that really that not just to remember them but remember them as if we were bound with them as if we were in the same bonds uh, to empathise with them, to sympathise with them and the same with those then which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body or if you like suffering adversity in the body then we have the exhortation to, uh, uh, to live chaste lives uh, through marriage uh, uh, and um, the, uh, uh, um, uh, the apostle there reminding us of uh, the judgments of the Lord on those who don't. And then verse 5 speaks about our, our way of life, um, uh, not just what we say but what we do and how we live as well and that that should be without covetousness. And there is a reason given for that, and it is uh, that uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has said, I will never leave thee. To put it very simply, if we have the Lord Jesus Christ, why would we ever want to uh, covet anything else when we are in our right minds? And verse 6 goes on, uh, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I wonder, uh, thinking about that, I wonder how many times we... Uh, can, as it were, think about this promise that the Lord has made, this unequivocal promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and then go forth in boldness, as it were, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. But then we come to this verse 7, and this speaks about those, uh, especially in a spiritual sense, and I understand that it doesn't come across in the translation into English here, but um, uh, this is speaking about those um, perhaps in the past tense. So remember them which have had the rule over you. It is about speaking about past um, pastors, leaders, um, uh, teachers, uh, and so on, uh, uh, um, those in the past. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, and then it says this, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation or the outcome of their way of life. And then I believe this verse 8 expresses what that outcome is. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, I want to try and convey, I don't know if I can, and May, it be, may the Holy Spirit really um, convey what is right to us. But for me, there was something very almost surprising about that. If you think about those 
um, perhaps not just those who have uh, 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 passed teachers, I think of Mr. Matronola here, for example, but not just to think about um, past teachers, but what would you say would, 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 would be their main legacy? Or those who preach here now, what is the main thing that they preach? Well, would we not say, which is the gospel? Salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, salvation only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And teaching from the Bible. But in this epistle, there is one thing that's singled out. What was the main thing, if you like, that their conversation, their way of life, which is what that, one way of translating that, uh, perhaps a more accurate way of translating it nowadays, there's one thing that their way of life showed. And it was that Jesus Christ is the same and doesn't change. Hasn't, it was no different in the past, is no different today, and will never change in the future. That really struck me, because I hadn't really thought about that before. I think about those that we have, uh, um, ministers that I have known and loved, um, some uh, very dear memories of uh, sermons that we have heard when the Lord has spoken to us through them. What we are, our attention is drawn to here is that they were showing that Jesus Christ doesn't change. Now this epistle, uh, I'm not really clear when it was written. I understand that it was perhaps written quite early on uh, in the years uh, following the uh, uh, crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So perhaps we might say AD 40, 50, something like that. But quite soon, as I understand it, after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I say that, that we might have, as it were, a context to what there today was, what there forever was, if you like, in one sense so different from us, and what there yesterday was. And so the apostle here, uh, the writer here, was drawing our attention to that, that was what their testimony was. That the, the Jesus Christ that they were talking about, the Jesus Christ that they were witnessing to, the Jesus Christ that they were preaching, was the same then as he was when he was on the earth. And indeed, that yesterday, I believe, uh, can be extended back to cover the Old Testament as well. Uh, indeed, it can, of course, be extended back into uh, eternity. I'm never quite sure whether the phrase eternity past makes sense, but perhaps you understand what I mean if we, we do refer to it. And that was their witness, that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't change. That the Lord Jesus Christ that they were speaking of to those people then, uh, perhaps only, or, and the Apostle was writing to those people uh, um, uh, then, and reminding them of uh, those that they had heard uh, preaching him, that that same Lord Jesus Christ was the same on that day as he had been when he was on the earth, and indeed all through the Old Testament times as well, since the beginning of the earth. And if we think about that, if you think about that for a moment, perhaps you have already thought about it. And uh, you, it has such a significance, doesn't it? It changes, perhaps, the, the whole way that we might read the Bible, if it's not something that we've really, if I use the phrase, taken on board before. Because as we read through the Bible, and we see, and we learn of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we, we, learn, we, we read of his grace, we, we learn of his grace, we learn of his mercy, we learn of his love and of his compassion, of his obedience, of his reception of sinners, of his eating with sinners. If we don't understand, and as it were, fully take on board, if I can use that phrase again, this verse, 
then all we're doing is reading history, aren't we? We might understand history. We might understand what the Lord Jesus was, as it were, in our heads at that time, what he was upon the earth. But that isn't enough. It is to miss the point, really, of what the Bible is about. And as the Lord may help me, that is what I do desire to bring before you this afternoon. That to, to look at, really, at some of those, uh, just a very few of the occasions, uh, um, the many occasions, really, all through the Bible, where we read of the Lord Jesus Christ, and just look at some of the aspects of that. But it is from this point of view that what we learn of the Lord Jesus Christ then is true now. That the Lord Jesus Christ is just as loving and compassionate and merciful and uh, one still as receptive to sinners uh, as he was at the times of what we read. And then may, that, uh, may the Holy Spirit apply that to us. May the, may the, the Lord give us that faith. Uh, to, uh, to, to, that that might be applied to us to believe this that the Lord Jesus Christ that we read of in the Bible is truly the same especially this today today here on this Saturday uh, in March 2023 so if you like that's just a little a few thoughts about the immediate context just to speak very briefly about the uh, uh, this epistle to the Hebrews and seemed to me that, well, in this epistle we have that wonderful uh, uh, explanation, don't we, um, of how the Old Testament sacrifices and ordinances that the Lord gave spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, forgive me putting it this way, but I've sometimes thought, you know, when you come into a a town or a village, you see sometimes see such and such a place twinned with somewhere else, uh, um, often in another country. Well, I almost feel that with Hebrews, there should be a sign, as it were, that said Hebrews twinned with Leviticus, because the two just go together so beautifully. And if, if you read Leviticus, you'll see that it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, how many blessings there are. If you look through, read through that book of Leviticus, which I feel is... I speak for myself, so often neglected. And look at and see the Lord Jesus Christ in there. How many wonderful things there are that speak of that. Well, maybe some of you here that have heard me say this before, but for example, if I just turn back, and I'm going to just speak very briefly about this, in uh, Hebrews 10 verse 26, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. I don't want to go into that, there's not time this afternoon. But... Uh, that might be a snare, perhaps, to some. Now, if you go to the book of Leviticus, uh, with that question, as it were, is there forgiveness for those that sin willfully? And really the question is, is there then forgiveness for me? And if you look, you start reading through the book of Leviticus, the first few chapters, there it goes all about the uh, sacrifices that there are for those that have sinned in ignorance. And... I'm going to speak personally now. I can remember reading through that, that, um, that gospel of Leviticus and going through those chapters and thinking, no, it's still those that have sinned in ignorance. Uh, sacrifices for those that have sinned in ignorance. What about my sins? The sins that I have done, knowing really what I was doing. Is there forgiveness for that? And then I think you come to, I think it's uh, from memory, it's uh, either Leviticus 5 or 6. And you come then and there was an offering made for those that uh, did sins, uh, committed sins, knowing what they were. Uh, for example, one who was uh, told to look after his neighbour's ox or ass, and then 
um, uh, killed it for their own um, advantage and then lied about it, deceived about it. There was an offering for that. So you see, that shows us, that teaches us about the, the, the nature of the forgiveness and the pardon that comes through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's very brief, um, uh, but that, just to illustrate what I mean, how wonderful, wonderfully those two books go together. And so we see in this um, epistle to the Hebrews, we have this uh, um, uh, explanation of really what those, what those sacrifices set forth so graphically to the children of Israel at the time. We are given the explanation of them and how they all point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is at the end of this book. See, this is what makes it so significant as it were. If we read that and we were to think, yes, I can see now how that explains Leviticus, why there were so many um, ordinances uh, and why the ordinances were given to the children of Israel. But if we were not to appreciate and to realise and to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same today, then we would be missing the point of that, of that book, of this, of this wonderful epistle to the Hebrews. And so, again, in that wider context of this epistle, how important is this verse? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, I want to just, let's see, uh, Lord may help us just look at some of those uh, wonderful attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ and Bearing in mind this yesterday, I want to go right back to that passage that we read in Genesis. Now, perhaps there it, it might be some discussion. It was this really the Lord Jesus Christ that appeared to Jacob. Well, uh, it is on this basis that I would want to speak about this. It is because we read in verse 24, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man. The Bible describes uh, this as a man with him. But then if you come down to verse 30, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And the, the word Peniel, the margin tells us, means the face of God. The face of God. So we have those two, uh, as it were, irrefutable uh, uh, things that the Bible tells us it was a man who was God. And that to me speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wonderful Son of God and also Son of Man. And so it is on that basis that I want to just speak about really the, the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have revealed to us in this very familiar passage. But it is from this point of view that as the Lord may open this up to us, as the Lord may bless this to us, and I do pray that he would, that the Lord would uh, and I give us that faith to believe that the man that wrestled, the Lord Jesus Christ that wrestled with Jacob is the same today as he was then and hasn't changed. I wonder if this is one of those passages really that because we are so familiar with it, um, again, speaking perhaps for myself, then it's easy perhaps to not really think about it as we read it because we know it so well. And again, as I was thinking about this, then it struck me how strange it was that Jacob should be wrestling, if you like, wrestling with God. Wrestling with, I believe, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't read of that anywhere else, do we? We read of people 
coming to the Lord Jesus. We read of people speaking to the Lord Jesus. We read of them just him being jostled in a crowd. We read of him being touched. We read of him touching others. But I don't know as we read anywhere else of anyone wrestling with the Lord Jesus. And have you ever thought about how strange that was? Why were the two wrestling? Why was Jacob wrestling with this man who was God? Well, I believe that we are, the explanation comes in verse 26. As we read this account, I realise that um, the pronouns can be quite confusing. It says he for both of them, and sometimes it's quite hard to follow. But uh, it is plain really from the context. So, um, verse 25, when he, when, and when the man, if I may use that, if you'll allow me to use that um, title, when the man saw that the man prevailed not against Jacob, the man touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as Jacob wrestled with the man. And the man said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And the man said unto Jacob, What is thy name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And the man said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, which means a prince of God. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And then we read how Jacob asks the man his name, and he is not given an answer. Wherefore, or why, is it that thou dost ask after my name? And the man, God, blessed Jacob there now we see then that they were wrestling because the man Jesus was uh, uh, as it were uh, um, uh, could not get away from Jacob's hold he, and in verse 26 he says let me go let me get away for the day breaketh and this was even after um, he had touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh um, uh, and put it out of joint and uh, how hard that would be to wrestle wouldn't it if one of our, our legs was put out of joint but that's how it was for Jacob and still he would not, not let this man who Jacob knew uh, was uh, a man of God at the very least as it were he would not let him go and why not because he needed a blessing because he needed a blessing and how amazing it is that uh, we, we may look at Jacob and, and think what uh, need and what um, uh, fervour there was in, in Jacob to make him wrestle with the Lord Jesus. But look at it another way. How wonderful it was that that man came to be with Jacob. In that time, you know, it was time, uh, Jacob's time of great need, wasn't it? When he had heard that Esau was coming to basically to take his revenge. What a time of great need it was. And uh, here was, as I said, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ coming to be with Jacob and allowing Jacob to wrestle with him. Now, I wanted to really especially bring to your attention this afternoon, and may there be some encouragement perhaps for us, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, he allowed Jacob to hold him, to not let him go, to Jacob to cling on to him, even after his... Uh, leg was put out of joint to, to hold him in, in such a way that he could not physically, humanly speaking, get away. Jesus allowed Jacob to do that. And then, 
um, uh, 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 Jesus allowed Jacob to constrain him to bless him. Now, uh, what came into my mind is that very beautiful chapter in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 24, and there are so many wonderful things in that chapter, aren't there? The account of the the two on the road to Emmaus, um, uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but just one Four words in verse 29 of Luke chapter 24. They constrained him. This was the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he had drawn near to them. They were walking away from Jerusalem. I cannot understand that really, apart from as we see our own unbelief. I cannot understand why they were, how they could be walking away from the, the, the place where the things had happened, where they'd been told that Jesus had risen again. But they were. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And then, when they came to Emmaus, um, Jesus, it says, he made as though he would have gone further, as, as though he would have carried on, and said goodbye, as it were. But then we read this, but they constrained him. Now, to constrain is quite a strong word, isn't it? It almost means to take away any other options. So, to, to take, as it were, and we could perhaps easily pass over that. But think about what this really was. It was two sinners. Two men, I believe. Or perhaps it may not have been men. Um, uh, but two people anyway. Um, who had given up on the Lord Jesus Christ as being their saviour. They said, we believed. We trusted in the past tense that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. We don't trust any more. They'd given up on the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd been with the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd had eyewitness accounts that the tomb was empty and that he'd risen again. They had no doubt heard the Lord Jesus Christ telling them what would happen at his death. But still, they didn't believe. Those sinners, those unbelieving sinners, they were able to constrain the Almighty God, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they constrained him saying, Abide with us. Oh, how wonderful is that power of prayer. And it's just the same as it was with, G uh, with uh, Jacob uh, there. Um, his name was changed. For as a prince hast thou power with God. What was that power? It wasn't down to anything about Jacob um, intrinsically. There was no righteousness, as it were, that, that God should uh, grant him uh, uh, um, uh, that power or anything like that. It was the power of prayer. It was that power of pleading with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in that sense that I wanted to, especially, uh, it's been on my mind to bring before you this afternoon. Oh, if there are those who perhaps are praying for some particular matter, perhaps praying for themselves, praying that the Lord would reveal himself to them here this afternoon, uh, or if there's some particular thing, oh, may there be that encouragement to continue in prayer to wrestle, as it were, with the Lord Jesus Christ, to not let him go. This is the Lord Jesus, this is the mercy of God, isn't it? The, the mercy, the compassion, uh, the love of the Lord Jesus. We sung that um, hymn, that first hymn was about the Trinity, wasn't it? Uh, and what a wonderful hymn that was. And here we have, as it were, uh, the, uh, uh, the mighty uh, plan of salvation, the covenant that the Trinity made to rescue a fallen man. May the Lord encourage us then. It may be that sometimes we, like Jacob, I don't know if he wrestled all night or not, I don't think that's perhaps clear, but it wasn't till dawn um, that he wrestled with this man, but 
There must have been times when he felt he wasn't going anywhere, when he felt his uh, energy was just being sapped for no reason, as it were, that he would never get anywhere with this. But I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. It was his need for a blessing. And if there is one, uh, perhaps or more, here this afternoon, that the Lord has, uh, as it were, put in our hearts and our minds that need for a blessing, well, may the Lord encourage us to continue in prayer, to wrestle with the Lord. Remember, he is a God that, 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 as it were, hears those prayers. A God that doesn't take offence at those who say to him, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Perhaps you feared to say that, knowing that you uh, have no right to say it, that we are sinners and we cannot claim anything from the Lord. Oh, may the Lord encourage us to be sinners. I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And, oh, but they constrained him. They constrained him. He could not go any further, but he went in, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. The power of prayer there. Now, there are, I'm sure there are uh, many other um, instances that are in your mind as we think about this of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and how can we really uh, uh, choose between them. So I'm just, um, without really um, apology, going through those things which have come into my mind uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, one of those, um, uh, another attribute of the Lord Jesus Christ that I wanted to draw your attention to is what we see of him in that John chapter 9. This has been a chapter that was uh, very blessed to me. It was the not the first part of the Bible that the Lord spoke to me from, but it was the first time that the Lord Jesus spoke to me from his word in such a way that it overwhelmed all my objections, uh, all uh, my unbelief. It came with overwhelming power at a time when Mr. Warboys was preaching. Um, so it is a very... Uh, a precious chapter to me but just a few things I wanted to say about that Um, first of all uh, as it begins we read this as Jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from his birth again uh, just as it was with Jacob Jesus had drawn near he had drawn near he came didn't he we we, uh, uh, at Christmas um, we consider that uh, a very precious name given to the Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Perhaps we should remember that every week, at least, Emmanuel, God with us. Because as we read through the Gospels, we see just a little really of how blessed it was and what it really meant when Jesus, God, came to be with his people. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And it comes into my mind as well, Bartimaeus, that Jesus was passing by. Now, Jesus came near, and it was because Jesus came near, and really because Jesus had been working in the heart of Bartimaeus, that Bartimaeus was able to, humanly speaking, to call out so that Jesus could hear him. If Jesus had not come to the earth, then Bartimaeus could not, humanly speaking, have called out in the way that he did. But Jesus came near, and he cried out, didn't he? And he cried out, a little bit like Jacob really. He was discouraged uh, as he prayed. He was discouraged by those around him. And again, it may be that there are many things that might discourage us about prayer. But Bartimaeus, he cried so much the more, didn't he? 
then we read how Jesus stood still and commanded that he should be brought to him. What wonderful words they are. But in, uh, in this chapter, um, again there's so much that we could speak of and there isn't time. But in this chapter, for example, uh, we uh, uh, read of uh, just a little glimpse really of how the Lord works. Uh, how Jesus works really. And uh, the disciples asked this question. They were accusing this man or his parents of having sinned in a, a very grievous perhaps or offensive way. And that this blindness was the punishment for that. And what did Jesus say? Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Again, perhaps it may be as we go through uh, particular trials, particular um, times of difficulty, times that we cannot understand. And perhaps that thought might be in our minds. Is this the Lord punishing me? Well, we know what we deserve, don't we? Well, I trust we know what we deserve. But how wonderful is this answer that Jesus gave? Not because this man has sinned. Uh, it doesn't mean he was perfect, of course. But it was so that the works of God should be made manifest in him. But you notice that in this, in this man, uh, in John chapter 9, the Lord worked. And he didn't actually see the Lord Jesus. Jesus worked in his heart and in his soul and uh, he worked on uh, he, he made him able to see physically but at no point um, uh, to begin with had this man seen Jesus he'd heard his voice but he hadn't seen him and I want to come right down to um, verse 35 and uh, in, the, uh, in the chapter um, before this we read really how this poor blind man was really rejected by everyone that knew him. By his friends, they didn't believe him, they questioned him. By his family, they didn't stick up for him. That's quite, quite harsh, isn't it? When even his parents, when he was in front of the Pharisees, that, that his, his parents were more afraid of the Pharisees than they loved their son. They wouldn't, uh, wouldn't stick up for him. No one, no one rejoiced with him and said how wonderful it was what an amazing thing it was that this poor man had received his sight. He was just subject to accusations uh, and uh, 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 challenged and, and questioned. No one actually rejoiced with him. And so his parents really um, didn't quite disown him, but uh, uh, they didn't really want to be associated with him. As I said, they're more afraid of the Pharisees. The Pharisees questioned him. They wouldn't believe him. They criticised him for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ because he knew what had been done to him. Uh, um, uh, one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. And so eventually he was almost by himself. And how sad that is, that there was no one pleased for this man, pleased for what happened to him. Well, that's why I come to verse 35. And what a precious verse this is. Uh, we preached from it um, uh, or mentioned it at Oakington some uh, weeks ago Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him just those simple facts that Jesus knew Jesus knew what was going on in the life of this man Jesus knew that all these people had cast him out didn't want to know him and Jesus heard that and when he had found him Jesus, I am the good shepherd. 
going to seek and to save that which was lost. He would not leave it with that man, uh, uh, as it were, half converted, uh, uh, with just the work begun in him. He would not just leave it so that he had opened his eyes so that he could see. No, he came back so that the man could see Jesus. He could see his Saviour. And when he had found him, and I do love to think of the Lord Jesus as it were, for that I don't know how long it took for him to find that man. Uh, he, in one sense he would have known exactly where he was, wouldn't he? But think of the Lord making his way. And that was his set purpose. There's one particular man that I must find. This is where I'm going. Perhaps the disciples, why are you going this way, uh, Jesus? There's one person I've got to find. And uh, it was this man. Because he's been cast out and he doesn't yet know me. He doesn't know, yet know enough to believe on me. When he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And as we read this about the Lord Jesus, how the Lord Jesus dealt with this blind man, this man that had been blind from his birth, what the Lord did, and especially the one thing that I have picked out from this wonderful chapter about how the Lord went and found him again, it is the same Lord Jesus today. Oh, what hope and encouragement there is for us, isn't there? Perhaps we may feel sometimes that that we uh, uh, do not know the Lord. Perhaps sometimes there is that um, uh, uh, thought that perhaps the Lord has begun to work in me. Perhaps we feel differently about the services than we did before. Perhaps there is that desire to uh, read the Bible. Perhaps we are trying to pray. Oh, what encouragement there is that the Lord will not leave us there, not leave us, uh, uh, as it were, just as seekers, because there is no salvation uh, just while we are a seeker. But the Lord will bring us to that point where we see him. What encouragement there is there. Now, how many other uh, uh, things that we could speak of, of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, My mind goes to the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we can read those Examples, can't we, in the New Testament of the compassion of the Lord Jesus. And at those times, when that, when that leper came and said unto him, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And we read how Jesus was moved with compassion and put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. Just think about that for a moment. Just think about that leper, how he must have appeared. Uh, 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 with um, uh, the result of the disease no doubt apparent on him uh, separated uh, keeping himself separate from other people uh, using whatever means he would have needed to to uh, proclaim the fact that he was a leper and unclean you can read about that again in the uh, book of Leviticus uh, and how again that sets forth sin think about that and then think about this that the eternal God, the God who had made heaven and earth, the God against whom this man had been such a sinner, that very same God didn't just forgive him, didn't just pardon him, didn't just wash away his sins with his blood, but that very same God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down to be in front of that leper, 
to be where that leper could come to him. And when that leper spoke to him, that very same God, that holy God, put forth his hand and touched him, touched that man of sin. And, oh, may we, uh, may the Lord help us to see by faith uh, the, the wonders of this. I, it does, it's hard to, un- to understand, isn't it? It's hard to take in when we see the wonder of really what happened there. The Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal uh, Son of God, God himself on earth, and actually not just, as it were, receiving that sinner, not just, not, uh, as it were, consuming that sinner with fire and having mercy on him, but that same God having compassion on him, being moved with compassion. We read that in other places, don't we? Uh, even where the multitude have been with Jesus for a few days, and we read how Jesus moved with compassion, then uh, asked the disciples about feeding them. When shall we buy bread? Uh, or give them something to eat, uh, I believe the Lord said. Moved with compassion. How wonderful is the Lord's compassion. Now I'm going to leave it there, as you see the uh, time has almost gone, but... May the Lord lead us, perhaps in further meditation about this. As we, especially as we read through the Bible, it is not just a historical account, is it? It's more than that, so much more than that. And it is this that Jesus Christ is was the same, is the same yesterday and today. And then I want to close on this thought. I haven't said anything about and forever, and forever. But, oh, may the Lord bring each of us, give us that desire and that longing to be with him forever. To think about what that is. To be with Jesus in heaven. To see him face to face. Uh, We have all these hindrances at the moment, don't we? Our sins, uh, 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 especially the hindrance of our sins, the paralysis of our sins even when we want to come to worship him we feel our sins don't we hindering us Uh, there's that and then there's all the weight and the guilt of our sins all of that taken away and uh, uh, given the ability to worship and to praise the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done and for the application the, the grace that he has shown to us and the love that he has shown to us and not to have a fixed period of time in which to do it so that it's limited, but to have a forever in which to worship him, to fall down before him, to sing his praises in uh, voices that are beautiful and divine, or, or heavenly voices, uh, to uh, uh, have nothing between us and the Lord Jesus, as it were, to see him, as the apostle said, face to face, and that will be forever. What a lovely, wonderful prospect that is. Well, may the Lord bless these few thoughts and uh, forgive the um, how little really we have addressed this subject. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen.
our concluding prayers in the hymn 215, the true contemplation 117, free grace to every heaven-born soul will be their constant food, long as eternal ages roll, they'll still adore the Lamb. May I be found a living stone in Salem's streets above, and help to sing before the throne, free grace and dying love. 215, tune 117.
ask thy pardon for all that may have been amiss in thy eyes and ears in our service. O Lord, we do pray that thou wouldest give us those eyes of faith to see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And O Lord, if there may be those uh, times when we wonder, can I be forgiven? Uh, Will the Lord help me? Lord, do help us to turn to thy word and to read of those times when thou didst help the outcasts, the helpless, the sinners, and didst receive them. And Lord, may we then have that faith to to know that thou wilt also receive us as well. Now, O Lord, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Looking at the calendar this morning, I was struck by the fact that the text was that last verse in the book of Psalms, Psalm 150 and verse 6. Let everything that that breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. And I think it's appropriate that we should sing now the doxology as we desire again to return thanks to God for preserving the testimony here now in Portsmouth for 210 years. And that the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've been reminded this afternoon, is the same today as he was 210 years ago, and will be, of course, forever. Let us stand then to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's 506A, of course, in the hymn. Let us stand to see. through with your food to the table here and tea, coffee and soft drinks I think are to be uh, served. Uh, Also this afternoon there is a bookstore provided by our deacon, uh, Mr. Gilbert Parsons, please avail yourselves of looking at the books that are laid out there. Um, I think that's about everything really. 
Let us just ask the Lord's blessing on the truth. Let us pray. Now God, we come again to plead the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we thank thee, Lord, that sinners can enjoy this blessing. This boldness is accessed with confidence by the faith of him. And Lord, we have much to be thankful for. We thank you for the ministry of thy word. Oh, Lord, might it be meat and drink to our souls. And now, Lord, receive our thanks for the food. We think of the kind hands that have prepared it, Lord. Help us to receive and to eat and to drink to thy glory. Oh, Lord, hear us in all these things. Receive our thanks. We ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. going to mention, I apologise, I don't think the heating has been working properly this afternoon, it's quite on Thursday, the prayer meeting, but I just can't even run the chimney, maybe the apology for the corners of the building, that's a more than we've had to go You had the presence of mind to turn it off. I didn't press it because I was wrong.